Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, good morning, and thank you for listening to Mornings uh, Without Carmen. She's on vacation with her husband this time. Uh, Last month, she was on a two-week time away at a fitness camp, but didn't have her husband. They decided they need to have some time this summer together, and we heartily agree. So, hope Carmen and Jim have a great time. I'm Paul Perot, usually Carmen's producer, but today I, I get to host. Peter will be in tomorrow through Thursday here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. You know, a lot of the news we talk about is kind of dark, but there's also some beautiful news. One place I like to go for for some of the beautiful news that just smacks of grace is inspiremore.com. And there was a news story that was posted just a couple of days ago that, you know, really, really got my heart. It has to do with a coffee shop down in the Nashville area. I wonder if Carmen talks a lot about the frothy monkey she likes to go to. I wonder if she ever mentioned going to Caliber Coffee Company, which is owned. It's a, it's a little mom and pop shop owned by Elena and Kay Schwartz. And they had a situation recently where their uh, the fence around their dumpster, some Somebody painted graffiti on it, and it was not very beautiful looking. And so they, okay, what do you do in that situation? You're a business owner. Your property has been vandalized. Do you call the cops and seek justice, or do you get creatively gracious? They chose the second. They decided to go on their Facebook page and shared that, uh, you know, okay, somebody did this thing to our fence. We want something better. So calling our all artists, they wrote, we had a few neighbors who made a solid attempt on the fence around our dumpster, but we're looking for something that will uplift, bring hope, and connect our community. Let us know if you're interested. Well, they got people who were connecting with them saying, hey, I'll do that. But they also got the attention of three other people, the three people, the three juveniles who had painted the graffiti on in the first place. And because of their gracious attitude on Facebook. Obviously, God was working. They came into the store and came up to the person at the counter and said, can we talk to the managers privately? And so they got a chance to talk to Keith and Elena, and they they fessed up. You know, we're, we're the guys who 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 did the graffiti. We're sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll paint over it. We'll, we'll take care of it. Well, Keith and Elena at that moment just again, chose forgiveness. And they said, you know, you really don't have to do that. No, 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 we insist. And so they did put a fresh coat of paint on the fence. But, you know, the offer to make a mural still exists. But even beyond that, again, a a celebration of grace. They went on Facebook saying, today we are celebrating second chances, forgiveness, and bravery. The same neighbors that spray-painted our fence came to us to apologize and ask forgiveness and the opportunity to rectify their mistake. Friends, we have all made mistakes. It takes a huge amount of bravery to then ask another for forgiveness. We are so proud of these neighbors that came and apologized and then painted over our fence. 
Our hope for our community is that we all have and give more second chances to each other. Our hope for our community is that we approach others offering forgiveness and kindness. Our hope for our community is that we take time to bravely rectify our mistakes and create something beautiful together as neighbors. You are all so very loved, no matter what. You know, the power of grace sometimes goes way past what justice could do, but it, it, it brings healing, and it was just such a great story. Again, you can find the full story, and there's more to it, just by going to inspiremore.com. Look for the article, Coffee Shop Owners Forgive Teen Vandals and Spark Incredible Chain of Kindness. Well, one of our kind guests who joins us almost every other week is Linda Mintel, and she's also the host of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show weekends here on Faith Radio. She's coming up shortly, so stay with us. Again, good morning, and thanks for listening to Mornings Without Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, and I get the opportunity to talk to Linda Mintel this uh, Monday morning. Hey, Linda, how you doing? Good morning, Paul. And people don't realize that you and I do talk a lot on Monday mornings because <laughs> we we're talking behind the scenes when yeah. uh, you're helping Carmen get ready for the the interviews. So this, this you're is not a true. stranger. Not <laughs> a stranger at all. And it's always fun talking with you and sharing articles and all that. And and again, I appoint people if you want to. Get some great information. Of course, there's the po- there's the podcast. If you don't listen to the show on the weekends, the Dr. Linda Mental Show, you can find the podcast at myfaithradio.com. And I'm why am I having a mental block on your websites? Uh, you know, it's drlindamental.com, right? Yeah, you're having a mental fog because yes. it's just my name, right? Yes. <laughs> How could I? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. Mental <laughs> fog or brain fog. And, you know, we all have those moments where, and I have them more often than I like to think of, where I'm trying to think of the word, and it's so obvious, and I just can't find the word to put it out. Anyway, let's talk about mental fog first off, because, okay, there are various reasons for it, and you have an article up called The 10 Ways to Clear Away Mental Fog. Now, you do briefly talk about some things that are medical or biological reasons. Can you quickly give yeah. us a summary of some of those? They're not the most often cases, but they do happen. No, and and so people are very concerned. Obviously, when you start forgetting the names of something, it takes you a little bit longer to get to something. Sometimes people think, "Uh uh-oh, am I starting dementia? Is this a sign of Alzheimer's? What's going on here? And, uh, I mean, that is something we always have to think about, right, because it's pretty prevalent in our our culture. Mm But you do need to always, when always, when you're trying to figure out, is something related to stress or is it related to something medical going on? So it's always a first line to think, is there any any type of underlying medical condition that could be causing any symptom that I might be having. So in the case of brain fog, there's just a lot of things that you need to make sure you've had a physical and you're checking things like you're checking your thyroid to make sure you don't have hyperthyroidism because that could cause it or diabetes or B12 deficiencies or anemia or hormonal changes. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, it would be maybe there's a brain tumor, but that isn't, that does, I don't want to scare people and say, oh, I'm 
starting to have some memory issues. There must be something terribly wrong with me. Not Probably not, but you do need to check it. And one of the other things we don't always think about, Paul, is that sometimes a medication that you can be taking. So mm-hmm. I work a lot with with people that go to that have psychiatric medications and some of those can cause a little bit of brain fog and then you know the the benefit of taking that sometimes outweighs the little bit of fog that you might have you have to think about that as well so always just think first has something changed? Am I on a different medication? Is there a medical condition that I'm not dealing with that maybe I need to look into? If you rule out all those, then what, what the article really is about is when it's really due to a stress. You know, yeah. you have a lot of stress. You're multitasking. You're changing from thing to thing all the time. And you're remembering 100 different things in your head. Yeah, I do have a family member who was concerned because of the issue of some Alzheimer's in the family or dementia mm-hmm. and 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 she was concerned because all of a sudden she was having a lot of these brain fog issues so she went and got te- I mean she got tested there was no problem there it was basically stress related and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure things like cortisol you know when the stress that's probably one of the main things or is that the main thing that causes the issue Well, it it doesn't help. So when you have stress and it stays chronic, so that's always what we're concerned about with people is does your stress just stay there and stay there and stay there? And is it chronic? Because then that does have this constant release of cortisol. And when all of that that sort of storm in in your body starts to happen, then the blood flow to the brain can be reduced. And then that can cause some memory problems. That's why when people are under a lot of stress, a lot of times they'll go, huh, what, what, or what? Did you say I, we have a friend right now who is um, he was really concerned about that. And his wife of a number of years has just decided to separate from him. And, you know, we know him and we just said, look, I mean, you, you can go and you can get checked out. It's always a good idea. But, you know, you're under a massive stress right now that is is not going away tomorrow. And that probably has a lot to do with why you're having trouble remembering things. So, you know, we, we have to think about how stress impacts our body. And that's one of the ways it does. It, it impacts uh, blood flow and blood flow to the brain is part of what is helpful when you want to think clearly. All right. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mitchell. And when we get back, we're going to continue talking about the stress reasons for mental fog and some ways to hopefully alleviate that if this message is kind of going, uh, that's me. Um, Well, stay with us. We'll talk more about that here on Mornings with Carmen. Again, thanks for listening to Mornings Without Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. Hey, don't forget, coming up a week from this Thursday, Susie Larson having a live stream event both on our Facebook and YouTube channels, the Faith Radio Facebook and YouTube channels. It's a live stream with doc, uh, with Pastor Mark Batterson called Dream Big, Start Small. If you'd like to learn more about it, you can find it on our website, or you can text the word EVENT to 877-933-2484 for more information. Let's get back to Dr. Linda Mental. Oh, boy. Does stumbling, yeah, does that, that go fog. with brain fog, too? Okay, it is. It's brain fog. It's brain... Okay. I'm stressing you out, Paul. Why am I stressing you out? Come I on. don't know. I just got back from vacation. I should be so totally relaxed. Oh, there you go. So... It's engaging back in the fray again. Oh, there you, you know, go. That could be stressful. Go. It can be. It can be. So let's talk about ways if people are going, okay, 
I am under a lot of stress. It's causing a lot of brain fog. What are some of the things people can do? And you have a list of 10 ways to clear your brain. I, I don't know how many we'll get through, but we'll try. So l- let's go ahead. Go. Which do you think are some of the key areas, first off? Well, well, I, I think one of the, the w- big ways you have to start thinking about it is what's going on with your physical life. And a lot of these are grouped into physical things because we don't think about we, – we have to think about the idea that there's body, mind, and spirit, right? It's all connected. So when you're under a lot of stress, and if it's stress in your mind, it does affect your body. And so one thing, a couple of things you can do to just help yourself, one is – to just drink a lot of water because a lot of times when we're under stress and we're running from here to there and we're dealing with all kinds of things, we're not thinking that we might be dehydrated. And that is one of the really easy fixes. If anybody listening has an elderly parent, um, one of the things that you notice when your elderly parent is starting to get a little bit confused, I would ask them all the time, are you drinking water? Have you had a lot to drink? And I had my dad was really into coffee and Diet Coke. He loved Diet Coke. He lived to 98. So I guess it was okay for him. But he, when he would do that, I would start thinking there's something going on with him. And a lot of times it was just hydration. So, you know, if you drink a lot of caffeine, if you drink alcohol, all of those are are, you know, dehydrating. So think of yourself a little bit like a houseplant. You need to continue to water yourself on a regular basis. That can really help your brain. You're getting personal, by the way, about that coffee. I got my big mug right here. Maybe that's causing it. I don't know. Yeah. And I do this. I I could drink coffee all morning long and never have a glass of water. So I purposely have on my desk a a big, you know, one of those water jugs. And it's just a reminder to me that I've got to continue to drink more water because that's hydrate. It's I need to hydrate my body. The other thing that's related to that is really looking at what you're eating. And if you're eating a lot of processed foods, and we all know this, you know, that a lot of high fat, high sugar, that is not going to help your brain function. So again, it's it's this kind of mom's advice of get more of your fruits and vegetables, make sure you're not eating so much of those sugars and fats because they, they're inflammatory and that is not good for your body. And when inflammation is, is really at the root of a lot of health problems for people. And so, again, we're trying to make our brain more effective. And then if we look at the physical, uh, continue looking at the physical, a night's getting a good night's sleep and shooting really for that seven to eight hours a night, um, you know, and if you, if you don't do that, your brain doesn't function well. And, you know, I tell the students, I work with med students, I train them, and the very first thing I say at orientation is the best thing you can do to help your brain, to help remember things, to put that long-term learning in there, because that's, we want doctors to remember what they learned, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really important, right? So I said, the best thing you can do really is to get a good night's sleep. And a lot of times they don't believe me, you know, I don't think it's because they're used to coming from undergraduate where they cram for tests and they stay up all night. You can't do that in medical school because you have to remember so much information. You really do need to get off screens because screens interrupt our sleep. They disrupt the the circadian rhythm in the brain, in the, in your internal body clock. And so when people are sleeping with their phone or have screens on and they're trying to fall asleep, that's really a biggie in terms of rebooting your brain. Yeah, that, so I think that's a big one. That is, and and you know those screen, the what is the blue light in a lot of yeah, computer screens? Mm-hmm. It it does screw up our circadian rhythms and it it causes lots of problems. So, uh, TV screens to a to a degree as well, especially the modern ones. Right. 
So yeah, if you're far enough away, it might not be as bad. But um, you know, you have to think about all of these different things. And then, you know, what about your vitamin levels? So a lot of people are vitamin D deficient, and I think we're getting better with that because there's been more attention to people getting their vitamin D levels checked. But again, that can affect your energy level. That can lead to fatigue. And when your when your energy is low and you're tired all the time, you're just not going to think well. So again, these are just small things. The biggest one, and it's like the cure for so much is exercise. Mm. And if you're really feeling foggy and you're getting just like overly stressed, just get out and start walking or go to the gym if you can now if they're open. But even so, you can exercise in your room. You can exercise while you're watching television. You can stand in front of the TV and, you know, you can do some marching in place or you can get on the floor and just do a planking, you know, use a, do a plank for a few, like a minute or two. Anything that makes you move makes you feel better. And it really does help the brain function at, at the best it Those, can. Right. Those are some of the physical things, dietary things you can do. What about some of the mental things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, we all think we can multitask really well. And again, this is one of those really uh, important ones for people to think about. When you multitask, the research shows that your brain has to stop and it has to kind of go back to uh, where it was and you lose information. So people might be able to multitask, but if you're trying to do something where you really have to remember, you really have to be concentrated, you really have to focus, you really need to get rid of all distractions and just spend time on that one thing because your brain does not do well when it's switching tasks on a, on a number of times. And any you know busy mom that's listening to us will go, yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about I have to go pick up the, my child, then I have to go to the store, then I have to you know go get uh, soccer clothes, and then I have – it's like a hundred different things. And then you, you kind of go, what is wrong with me today? I'm just not functioning. I didn't remember. I dropped the ball. Well, it's because you've had to multitask so many things that you are dropping information information in the brain and the brain can just not keep track of all of that at one time so it is to stop and start over and you lose information okay maybe that's where you know doing things like having a list of things yes. you know as we come up with an item yes. oh i got to do that and put that on the list so that way just don't lose the list but then again hey we have them on our cell phones we can put a, oh wait a minute cell phone can, screens yeah <laughs> Well, you know, again, all the screens we get on, that is another one. Your eyes and your brains just really need a rest from some of that sometime. And so, you know, so many of us are just checking our phones constantly. It's really hard to have a conversation with anybody today without them looking at their phone at mm -hmm. least two or three times. And, and, you know, if you really want to kind of help clear your brain, just put down your device, whatever it is, put it down for an hour and just get out maybe an exercise during that time and, and just take a break from that. You know, start talking to somebody, have a real conversation. Now that we can meet again, meet someone for coffee and, you know, don't do it over, you know, Zoom or one of the platforms. Right. Instead, just decide, I'm going to do that and minimize all that in my brain and, and try to connect with real people. There's a lot of disadvantages to being on screens all the time that can really be corrected with a little real time with people. Mm -hmm. Okay, the last thing you mentioned, I think we'll have to close on this, has to talk about managing stress because some people aren't good at managing. They, they may be taking their vitamins. They may be doing a lot yeah. of this stuff, but they still haven't learned how to manage stress. Yeah, and there's just that, that is going to create fog. 
So it's just one of those things that you need to recognize. If you just have a ton of stress in your life and you're not doing anything to either cut it down or figure out a way to manage it and and try to move forward, it's just not good for your health, your mental health, or even your spiritual health. Because when we're all stressed out, that's not where God wants us. He doesn't want us in that state of constant sort of anticipatory anxiety and worry and, you know, stress about things. He wants us to live in peace and contentment, which is what he tells us as possible, being one of his. So one of the cures for that is just to stop during your day, take a five or 10 minute break, focus on what you're grateful for, what the Lord is doing in your life, the good things that you see, and maybe pray a little prayer of, Lord, help me not to be anxious today to cast all my cares on you, to give those to you, because that's what you tell me in your word to do. You'll carry the burden. I don't need to. I was hoping you get to that Bible verse. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I mean, because you, you see David doing it so often in in the yeah. uh, in the Psalms. Just okay, this is a situation. Lord, you take care of it. I'm going to trust you. It's and that's a rough paraphrase. Yeah, and and just not being dependent on always thinking we have to figure it out. We have Mm. to do it all. We need to be active, but we need to understand that, you know, God is on our side. and He's working for us, and he loves to get involved in the times, especially when we're weak and we don't know what to do. That's when he does his best work. So, you know, call on him. Ask him. DrLindaMental.com, as well as the Dr. Linda Mental Show on MyFaithRadio.com, the podcast there, plus weekends on Saturday mornings and Sunday evenings. You can check MyFaithRadio.com for the time in your community on your faith radio station. Linda, thanks again for uh, lis- uh, for joining us here on Mornings Great. with Carmen. Great to talk to you in front of the people instead of <laughs> there, behind. <laughs> there you go. We, we'll go, we'll go right. back to talking behind their backs later. There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care. Have a great week. You too. Week. Okay, if you're going to run away, you might want to be a little faster than a tortoise. Maxie the tortoise escaped from her enclo- or his enclosure about a year ago, apparently scaling a foot-high wall. This is in Wiltshire, England. Well, after a year on the run, the 14-year-old pet was spotted by some dog walkers, and the dog walkers found the owners through Facebook. Maxie reunited with the family. Total distance this tortoise traveled within a year, about six-tenths of a mile (laughs) from home. Uh, Anyway, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perroves filling in as guest host today. Peter Kapsner will be in tomorrow through Thursday before Carmen gets back on Friday. Coming up next, okay, we're we're coming out of the pandemic and maybe you're doing things to reassess your life, trying to find new balance in your life instead of just going back to what may have been the situation prior or even during. Well, That got me thinking about a conversation we've had before with a man named Justin Whitmer Early from The Common Rule. He's going to be joining us shortly here on listener-supported Faith Radio. This is Max Lakato. Dean Allen and I had enjoyed a nice dinner at a local restaurant. As we received our bill, a church member spotted us and came over. After we chatted a few moments, he took our bill. I'll take this, he said. Guess what? I'll let him do what he wanted to do. I'll let him take it away. Someday we will stand before God. All of us will be present. All of us will have to give an account for our lives, every thought, every deed, every action. 
Were it not for the grace of Christ, I would find this to be a very terrifying thought. Yet according to Scripture, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. On that day, I will point to Christ. When my list of sins is produced, I will gesture toward him and say, He took it. Let him take yours. This is Max Locato. This is a new Again, thanks for tuning in for uh, Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Just without Carmen, I'm Paul Perot, usually the producer, but getting to sit in the host chair today. Well, hopefully, overall, the pandemic is finally winding down. Our lives are less disruptive, or maybe, okay, maybe now they're disruptive in different ways and now in the aftermath. And one way people are reacting is that some are becoming part of what is called the Great Resignation. Pandemic has caused some people to reassess their lives, especially their work lives, and saying, you know... I don't want to do this job anymore. They want to do something different. But underneath that, maybe people are realizing, thanks to the pandemic, a certain emptiness in their lives and that of their families. Lives full of activity, but short on fulfillment and peace. And as I was thinking about this, it brought to mind some conversations we had had previously here on the morning show on Faith Radio with Justin Whitmer Early, who some years ago, he and his family hit a wall themselves that led to a lot of reassessment and new rhythms and direction for him and his family. With that, I wanted to bring him back post-pandemic to offer some of his insights and and uh, so, Justin, Justin Whitmer Early, thank you again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. You're very welcome. Glad to be here, Paul. It's good to have you. And people can find out more about what you do at thecommonrule.org. Pardon me, commonrule.org. But first, you know, I, I teased the, the life you had prior to this. Now, tell us about that. What, what led to the wall event? Yes, indeed. Well, it seems to me the pandemic has been a time where everybody encounters this moment of suffering and all our rhythms get shaken up. Mm -hmm. And this has actually happened to me before. It's happened to a lot of people before. The first time it happened for me was when I came back from being a missionary in China to go to law school in the States. So I felt I used to be a missionary in China for almost five years. And then I felt called to become a, a lawyer, which is a longer story. But as I was coming back, I experienced this enormous collapse as I was beginning my law practice. And in retrospect, I realized that something had happened in my transition. What had happened was that all my rhythms of being a missionary had been shaken up. And I unconsciously adopted all the rhythms of life of the, the crazy law school student, the high profile lawyer. I was always doing more and staying up later and waking up earlier and adding to my calendar and schedule. What I didn't realize at the time was how much these rhythms of life form us. And so I came to a place where I was early in my career of law, wrecked with anxiety. Um, I, I, I was either needing taking take medication to go to sleep. I couldn't calm down. And I, I realized that these rhythms of anxiousness and busyness had actually sunk down into my heart. And I was, you know, was then and still now a sincere follower of Jesus. And it brought me to this question, you know, how people like us, the missionary like me, can be so easily converted to the anxiousness that lies in the rhythms of American life. And so ever since then, I've been on a project to really try to unite the, the claims of faith that we say in our heart, say in our head and believe in our heart with the rhythms of life that we actually live out. And that's where the Common Rule Project 
was born. You know, I, I, it was interesting hearing, okay, first off, yeah, I was a missionary, and then I became a lawyer. Usually you like to hear it the other way around. But then <laughs> right. you were talking, the word you used there, converted, where you mm-hmm. were converted from those those mission rhythms you had to something different. And you had to fight back, and that's where the common rule comes in. Again, people can find out more, thecommonrule.org. But quickly go through the common rule. What are some of the aspects that a, that a person does? Actually, I should say not just a person, because there's aspects that are individual, but there's also that are really community and family projects. Yeah, well, and it might help for people to understand what I'm talking about when I say the common rule. So my realization was that my habits were forming me, right, and that and that the habits actually sink down into the heart. So as I started looking into this idea, I realized it wasn't new at all. So spiritual communities, churches, monasteries, spiritual groups for millennia have, and it really begins with the idea of Daniel. They've had these things called rules of life, where when they live in a place that they know is going to be challenging, they they commit to a set of spiritual practices to be lived out communally. And it's unsurprising things like this you know, began more formally in the monasteries of Augustine and Benedict. And they said, you know, we're going to have these times of prayers and these times of reading the Bible. And so as I started reading about how Christians throughout history had applied the wisdom of habit to their spiritual life, I said, okay, what if we made a common rule of life for the everyday struggles of the typical American? So my rhythms were based around scripture and prayer and community, but there are daily things like scripture before phone in the morning. So that scripture, instead of our Twitter feed or Facebook, now you're getting personal, Justin. Now you're getting personal. (laughs) Habits will disrupt your ordinary life, and they should. Um, Some of the other daily habits were finding a space for kneeling prayer three times a day, maybe before work, in the evening, and midday at work. Another daily rhythm was a meal today, a meal every day with others, so that we don't live this sort of isolated, on-the-go, microwavable existence. And then there are also some weekly rhythms, like actually Sabbathing. Um, finding a meaningful conversation with a friend one times a, one time a week, limiting your media intake to a certain number of hours. And, and Paul, I could keep going and talking about some of these, but I find it's possible when you start talking about this for people to get overwhelmed, right? They hear all these new habits and I, they think, I can't, I can't do all this. But from my story, let me just tell you this. What is overwhelming is to live the regular ordinary American life that we all unconsciously assimilate to. That is overwhelming. Mm. What is freeing is to say, I love Jesus and I'm going to follow him no matter what, even if he wants to disrupt my ordinary habits. And what I have found is the most freeing thing in the world is to align my habits to the heart of Jesus and find that that disrupted schedule is actually the way I was meant to live. Hmm. Okay, we're going to continue this conversation in about 90 seconds. We're talking with Justin Whitmill Early, The Common Rule. You can learn more about it at thecommonrule.org. When we get back, we're going to look at, okay, Justin, how to, we'll talk about how you applied it to the pandemic or helped other people, because that was such a major disruption, and then helping people apply these rules, these this common life after the pandemic. So stay with us. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in. Back shortly.
This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot filling in as uh, Carmen is on vacation talking with Justin Whitmill early of the Common Rule. And Justin, okay, in all honesty, when you brought up that issue of uh, Bible before phone, when we had talked previously um, with you, that one, that that rule really got me, and I've actually tried. I'm not always successful, but I have applied that one overall. When I get up, I spend some time, usually in the Bible, with a little help lately from from uh, Charles Spurgeon, but doing that, and then I feel free to uh, look at the cell phone and check emails and all that other stuff, but it does make a difference. I will tell you, it does make a huge difference. It really does. I think it's one of those great examples of the way that we order our day matters, and we think that we're so independent in our hearts and heads. Like we can just carry on in whatever circumstance and still cling to Jesus in our heart and, and know him in our minds. But what I have found is that it really does matter. Our hearts are, are wild and unruly. Our <laughs> minds are scattered. And it really helps to give them a sort of a holy form to the day to, to continue to push them towards Christ and push them towards his love. Because we're liable to get lost in a lot of other places in our phone is a great example of that. You're getting so personal again here, uh, Justin. (laughs) Okay, well, we've just been through a pandemic, which was such a major disruption. And this whole idea of, you know, controlling screen time became almost an impossibility. I mean, kids had to be on the computers at home, uh, you know, going to school. We were on work from home and spent so much time in Zoom meetings and all that. And how did you help people and how did you apply uh, the common rule during the pandemic? Well, I, I will confess, I remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, this was over a year ago now, the um, the absolute need to stay updated. And in this case, really, it was a need, you know, to figure out what you were supposed to be doing, how you were supposed to be changing your behavior, where you could and you couldn't go. It led me into a new period of being tethered to my phone in the news. And in some ways, I think this was right. It was just a, a unique time where everybody had to pay attention. But then... But then it became like all the other times where where you don't need to, but the habits were there, right? The habits of checking the headlines every day and worrying about something. Um, and this is where, Paul, I think the wisdom of habit comes in. A, a habit is by nature something that you, you know, usually do semi-consciously or unconsciously over and over without thinking much about it. And once you build strong habits, you will notice when you're off them. And I, I think late April last year, I started to notice, whoa, I'm... I'm getting back into my phone again in the morning before scripture, or I'm, I'm, I'm watching way more, you know, news feeds than I usually am. And to me, you know, that's not a matter of guilt or right or wrong. It's just reminders like that are gentle invitations to come back to the good life. And so, you know, part of the wisdom of habit is that it's, it's always there for you to return to. You're not, what I always say when I talk about the common rule, what we're not trying to do you know, is, is prove that we're worthy by checking off a bunch of boxes each day. Right. We're, we're simply saying that God actually loves us as much as he says he does. And that means we should change our habits. So we don't do these habits in order to change God's love for us. We know God loves us. So we change all our habits. And that's, and so it was just a time for me to come back to remembering that God loves me. He cares for me. He's going to protect me and he inviting me to a good life again here. And so, you know, it was a time to come back to my habits. Now, I'll end with this thought. The, 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 fan, the fascinating thing about the pandemic is it interrupted everybody's rhythms and right. routines. So really, everybody is at a place now where they're getting to pick and choose again what habits and rhythms 
do I want to build my life around again? Now, most people aren't thinking it consciously, and that's the problem. But everyone has an opportunity right now to rebuild. And the question I would ask them is, what kind of rhythm do we actually want to build? So here comes that intentionality thing as we're coming out of the pandemic. And I'll tell you, it's easy to slip back into, okay, let's just think pre-pandemic back to that. Um, That may not be the best thing for us. And again, getting to how are you helping people navigate out of the pandemic and actually getting into a good rhythm? Yes. Well, I try to talk about at least two themes. If you look at the habits of the common rule, there's lots of different habits. I went over some earlier, habits of eating with people, habits of scripture before phone, habits of prayer, some habits of fasting and Sabbath. So I would encourage people to go click around thecommonrule.org and think about, um, you can find the book if you're interested there, you can watch some videos. You can just think about little areas where you might change. But there's really two big things that I would think every American right now needs to consider. If you're following Jesus in America, you've got to deeply consider your habits of technology. I often tell people, um, probably the most important factor in your discipleship with Jesus right now is how you use technology. It, it is a remarkably powerful, it's remarkably new tool. We don't know how much how to use it yet. We're still getting used to it. And the, the kinds of websites you go to, the amount of time you spend on certain feeds, the, the ways that you naturally use certain apps, these are habits that are forming your heart and Jesus wants to form your heart. Now, I'm not saying that all these things need to go away. I use my phone and my computer all the time. I'm a, I'm a corporate lawyer. Every day, mm-hmm. all day, I'm using them. But I really do try to think over and over and over, how would Jesus have me change these habits? And so that's one. I just think if you're a believer, you've got to be thinking about how technology matters. And then busyness. Busyness is the other thing. You, Jesus calls us uniquely to a life of a world without anxiety, a, a, a place of peace, a place of trust in him, um, a place where we're able to slow down and be okay with that. And that is really, really antithetical to the typical American life. So technology and busyness. I would I would have any Christian ask, how does the love of God change my habits as it relates to technology and busyness? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I was going to go next, because a lot of people might look at that and say, okay, I look, it looks like I'm trying to become a Benedictine monk. You mentioned that before. And they'll say it's a bunch of do's and don'ts and such. Where is the faith element? Because a lot of us have this idea that, well, faith just be freewheeling or whatever and not worry. There's intentionality. Yes, there is. You know, I just, I, I bring it back. I try to bring it up to love, love, love over and over. When Jesus sums up the law, he says, love God and love neighbor. Love is a matter of the whole self. It's not, you don't, you know, to express love to your family or your wife or your spouse, you don't just think about it. Um, you say it and you act it out in small ways and you feel it in your heart. And if either any one of these was gone, I feel it and I think it, but I never do anything or, or I, I feel it and I do stuff, but I never think about it. It's kind of unconscious or I think about it and I do it, but I don't feel anything. Either one of those seems to be an incomplete, um, form of love. And so when I think about the loving discipleship of, of following Christ, I think about, we, we study, we think, we learn. We feel, we yearn, we want in our heart, and we act out in small ways. And when those things are all working together, that's a really full life of love. And so it is never about trying to do the right things. We know 
that Jesus died for us while we were sinners, still sinners, and it is by grace we have been saved. Mm -hmm. But that verse in Ephesians goes on to say, and now he's called us to all these good works. The life right. of doing things is part of the life of discipleship. It's the part of sanctification, right? Not salvation, which is a really important theological dis distinction. But there is so much to ordering your life to the call of Jesus. And you know, for me, this is a huge deal right now because it's not just me. I'm, I'm teaching four young boys mm. in my house how to follow Jesus. I've right. got kids ranging from nine to two. And Lauren, my wife and I, um, you know, we have neighbors and friends and we're part of this is just a witness. Like, do the lives of Christians look any different during the pandemic than the lives of others? Yeah. Do, the, do the lives we're going to be rebuilding in our churches and small groups and Bible studies, are they going to look different and be a, a place where, you know, our neighbors can say, I want that piece. Yeah. You know, that our, our habits are a witness. And I think that's a really, really important thing. Right. Speaking about that, I wish we had more time to actually tell, delve into this. We probably will in November when your book, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. Um, I, we're looking forward to that conversation, Justin. So we'll probably have you back come November when it's out. I would love to. I All would right. love to. So again, Justin Whitmer from uh, Whitmill Early from the um, Common Rule. Go to thecommonrule.org and we'll be right back. This is Mornings Without Carmen. Carmen will be, back, will be back on Friday. I'm her producer, Paul Perot, filling in today. Peter will be in tomorrow and through Thursday. I can basically, I, Ryan, I think I can say that I didn't break the show uh, today. Absolutely. I would agree. <laughs> Absolutely. I, okay. Anyway, remember, podcast at myfaithradio.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.